You're listening to the Stories Behind the Stars podcast. My name is Tatiana Fallon, and I'm your host. This podcast is run by the organization Stories Behind the Stars. This has nothing to do with Hollywood. We are telling the stories behind the stars that were given in World War II. For those of you who are not familiar, during World War II, when a service member was killed, the family received a banner with a gold star on it. We are telling the stories behind these stars. Our goal is to put them all 400,000 into a common database, which then we will build a smartphone app that will be searchable from any location where you can read the story behind the star and you can really come to know the individual. This podcast is dedicated to telling those stories as we find them, as our researchers are doing this amazing research. You'll hear from researchers who are all volunteers from all across the country, and you'll hear their story, what brought them to the project, and then also the stories that they're finding. This is amazing content, and I really hope you enjoy this adventure. Today we have Betty, and um, can you go ahead and, and introduce yourself for us? Sure. Uh, yes, my name is Betty Patterson. Um, I live in Texas, and um, I got started with Stories Behind the Stars. It was actually accidental how I found it. Um, I am a genealogist um, currently working towards certification. Um, so I was researching um, some World War II information on my own grandfather, did not know much about it, and I actually stumbled across in the search engine, online search engine, um, this stories behind the stars information. So as I was reading about it, um, I took a big interest in it and uh, decided to sign up for it. And um, I'm learning a lot more through it and uh, hoping to be able to commemorate uh, more soldiers other than just, you know, my own family members. So I just, a follow-up question. What does it mean to be like certified genealogists? Um, uh, yes, there is um, the AGA, which is the um, it's the Genealogy um, Association. You you can actually be accredited, actually, what it's called. And uh, so there's a process to go through that and some courses that um, I need to take to pretty much prove myself. You don't have to be certified uh, to be a genealogist. Um, it just helps. Uh, for people to know that, you know, you, you know what you're doing, you know, you're not just making stuff up as you go <laughs> kind of thing. So yeah, my grandma, there's a lot of different, yes, go ahead. My grandma was a, like, a, she wasn't certified, but she was, uh, or credentials, but she was like a really hardcore genealogist. And it always made her so angry. She's like, there's so many amateurs out there doing this work and it's messing everything up. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I come across that a lot. Um, I work heavily with uh, Ancestry.com um, on their platform. Um, I also work on the platform of uh, MyHeritage and um, also as well as um, FamilySearch.org. And they're really, really great to use in connection with each other because you know one site will have documents that another site might not have. And a newspapers.com has been amazing. And, and it's real challenging. Um, you have to be very careful because there's so many people with the same names. And you'd be amazed at how many people have the same name um, on different census records and, and stuff like that. But once you build uh, the story 
than, you know, like stories behind the stars, for instance, um, you really gain a very personal experience with these people that you would have never known otherwise. You know, you would have never known they existed. Um, they would have just been lost to time. And now you can develop, you know, kind of like a, a non-living relationship with that person. You really get to love them, know who they are. And so it's, it's very important. And, you know, I have a strong military background um, as far as family members go. Um, can date my family back to the Revolutionary War and beyond, um, all the way into Scotland to the Jacobian era, actually. And um, it's, it's passing on down the line. There's always been a very strong call for freedom. And to be in the United States, to be a part of the only free nation out there, um, it's, it's very important that, to me, to commemorate, you know, the fallen and the soldiers, the veterans, because without them, we would not be who we are today. You know, God only knows who, where we would be, and we're a very fortunate country to be here because of our military. So it's very super important to me. Yeah, that's where I'm at today. <laughs> that's amazing. Wow. So did you do the the background to get your family line back to the the Jacobins? or uh, ja- I don't know exactly how you say that. Yeah, but... it's a Scottish thing. It's Jacobian. Um, they were actually against the uh, British um, king. They were for King Charles. They were for the French king. And so there was a war, and uh, there was actually the War of Culloden was actually real. And um, it, it took me years to get back that far, you know, because I had to find the right ancestor. And my grandmother was an orphan. It's on her side. So it took me a long time to break through those walls and uh, get to the proper people going backwards. But once I did, I learned um, you know, where exactly they were from, Cam Lang, Scotland, and it's the McMillan clan. And they um, came over into um, Canada afterwards. The Jacobians lost the war. And as we know, Scotland is part of the UK now. And uh, they were, they were ran, ran out, you know, they were flushed out of Scotland. So Many of them came over into the Americas. One of their biggest um, calls was for freedom of religion. Many of them were documented on the censuses as being the free will Protestant church. And so that was a big, big thing. And then in America, one of my ancestors, not of that clan, but of a different lineage, um, actually signed and voted for the uh, one of our founding documents, which was uh, freedom of um, the freedom of religion. And you can find that on the uh, NARA website, archives.gov. And I signed up to be transcriber there, uh, volunteer transcriber. Um, I don't have a whole lot of time to spend on any of this, but um, when I do, I try to get as much done as I can in a short amount of time. And um, that you get to read a lot of history. So being um, involved in um, historian, 
uh, writing stories about people who really did exist. You really get to know a lot of truth about history and I get to compare it really to what, you know, even your kids are learning today. It's pretty neat. Yeah, no, that's, that's, I love how you said um, you use ancestry, my heritage and family search, because I feel like um, there you get with between all three of those, you have such a, a broad tools to really find the truth. And I think that's a good, good point out pointer out to all the other researchers out there, you know, like use as many tools as you can to help you really pinpoint and find that information. Because not only are you dealing with like human error today, but you're also dealing with human error error when it was first documented. So it's, it's kind of like, uh, you know, make sure you cover all your bases doing your research. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And, uh, when you, when you're covering human error, one of the one things that, uh, you know, I advise anybody doing any kind of historian research is, is to keep in mind, um, that before, um, the public school system existed, spellings of names were quite, uh, broad, you know, your surname, your given name, um, they, they may not be spelled the same from one census to the next. You know, so you, you definitely want to keep in mind that there's going to be variable spellings of names. Um, I've had lots of cousins argue with me, oh, well, that's not how she spelled her name. Well, maybe not in 1962, but in 1930, when she was a child, the enumerator of the record spelled it that way. And oftentimes people would spell things how they were sound, how they sounded. And uh, it was it's, it was very interesting to learn that that was really a thing because when I was in third grade, um, I had a language teacher actually tell us, you know, do not spell things how they sound. They actually said that to us in in my class, and I took that with me, you know, when as I as I grew older to to make sure that I'm spelling things all correctly. Well, that is not the case anymore. We have to blow that completely out of the water because dialect matters. And so people have accents. I think it's very interesting um, in some, some cases where um, I had a second great grandmother. You can actually see some doctors have their medical records available if it's way far back, like a hundred years and better. Um, so I learned that this grandmother had a stroke. And on one of the census records, they actually spelled it how she was saying it, and it's not correct at all. You know, Sarah's not spelled Sarah, and Rosa's not spelled Rosa, and it's you really can see um, a visual effect of that that she was going through at that time. And I actually have a photograph of that grandmother, and you can see where one side of her face is it does not smile. And so you can actually see that. And, and I thought that was very interesting. And it gave me the idea that you may have an ancestor out there who had an accent. And you might actually be reading their accent if you are um, coming across different spellings. And so I thought that was pretty interesting. Wow. So in your exploration of World War II, have you seen that to be the same kind of setup where the, or did the military make things a little bit more precise? Well, I have actually seen um, many different spellings also on uh, World War uh, draft registration cards, uh, both in World War I and World War II. 
And you will get uh, sometimes uh, they will tell them um, a different moment. Um, I've come across that. Uh, that's a rare occasion that I've come across, but um, I did see it. And uh, it was actually an uncle of mine who did that. And we don't know why. You know, we know it was him because on those records, you can see where they were from, where they were living, their birthday, which is very important. You get a lot of information there that you won't get on the censuses. And you'll get uh, sometimes the names of their spouses or their parents um, if they had those listed as the next of kin. And um, you, you get most of the time it's spelled uh, pretty much uh, the same as maybe um, if you have or lucky enough to get a birth record, World War II usually uh, had everything the same. If they have a birth record, generally it's spelled the same as far as World War II goes. Uh, World War I, um, not so much you can really tell because there's not a whole lot of birth records um, available unless you're lucky enough to get like a family Bible or an area was doing birth certificates at that time. Um, because usually they were born like before 1900. And so there's not a whole lot of, of birth records before, before that time, unless it's a very heavily populated area. Um, and you're lucky enough that there wasn't a courthouse fire, something like that, because then that would destroy things. But um, in, in military records, usually it's spelled the way that the signature is spelled. So you have that signature to go by down at the bottom and you could see, well, this is how that person is spelling their name. And so that's a little bit more of a, an accurate whenever I'm using, um, putting the names on the person in the family tree and the online tree, I am using the signature that they have there on their military record. That's really good to know. Cause then, you know, you're not just looking on what they've typed up, but what they've signed. I think that's a great pointer to, to, let people know, like double check, make sure you're looking at this and that's going to be probably yes. the way they would do it. So, yes, so in absolutely. your specific research, are you focusing on the names in Texas or are you focusing on family or <clears throat> with the stories behind the stars? What do you I'm just With stories behind the stars, I am focusing on uh, pretty much what's assigned to me. Um, I'm open source on that. Uh, I'll go realistically anywhere in the nation um, because I'm heavily, um, heavily interested in just, you know, the U.S. history altogether. And I just want to get them, get as many out there as possible. You know, it's, it's, like I said, I don't have a whole lot of time to spend on it, but as whenever I do get on it, it's, I try to hammer it out pretty good. And uh, it's, you know, one thing to, to keep in mind also that the, the handwritings are, can be very difficult to read. And so um, that's where cursive comes in to play. Um, usually everything's written in cursive. And so it's, it's important. Um, I hope that parents are teaching their children who don't have the opportunity to learn it in school right now uh, how to read cursive. Because if not, then they're going to lose that uh, capability to be able to read these documents in the future. And so that's definitely something to, to keep in mind. But, uh, yeah, as far as stories behind the stars goes, just open source. Um, Don's real good about um, assigning names to people. And so I just get on there and uh, just go with that. Do you have any stories that you'd like to share with us that just kind of stood out to you as things you thought were noteworthy? <laughs> 
Well, I did do this one um, story. Uh, I started with the USS Arizona, and um, I turned my names uh, back over because somebody else had already done that. And uh, there was this one gentleman, uh, his last name was Brown, and uh, there was a boxer. So Buzz uh, Brown, the boxer, and they were from the same area. And so in newspapers.com, I actually thought that this boxer was the World War II soldier and who passed away in the Arizona. And it turned out not to be him. As I went back two years into the papers, I came across an article that um, was this, <laughs> that this detailed the entire name of the actual boxer and it turned out not to be him so it was a little bit embarrassing but um i had to change the story altogether i had already posted it on <laughs> on the uh website on tws and uh, so i went back and i changed it really quickly in in hopes that nobody's seen it yet <laughs> and uh it ended up being that you know there was very little information on uh, this soldier actually um, another, um, name that I had done was very interesting. Um, they had a family orchard in Nebraska and, uh, they moved, uh, from Nebraska to California potentially because of the enlistment. And, um, that's, that's one thing to note is that a lot of people were moving to California because there's a big military base there. And so whenever they got drafted, they were going there. And so that's kind of one way, one reason why some people were pulled there during the World War II era is because of their enlistment. Um, I noticed that. But uh, these particular family that uh, did a family orchard, this gentleman went on. He was going to do a family orchard as well until he was drafted. And then uh, he, too, perished um, on the Arizona. So that's a couple of the names that I had done, some interesting that stands out to me. So if you had some advice for anybody who's thinking about joining the project, what would you tell them? What advice would you give them? Um, definitely dedicate some more time to it. Um, I had a little bit of time dedication issues. Uh, in the beginning, uh, that's starting to recede and um, being able to pick up again. But definitely know that this is a definite time dedication. Um, you you want to be able to give yourself enough time to be able to research accurately and thoroughly because if you don't, then you can end up like I did with a boxer and um, end up with the whole wrong story because, like I said before, many people have the same name even in the same area. You know, cousins were named... Uh, the same oftentimes. And so you don't want to get a cousin's story mixed up with a, with a soldier's story. I love that you bring that up because my husband's name is, is Andrew Fallon and he has a cousin who's like, I think three or four years younger than him with the same exact name. And yes. So, so yeah. <laughs> and that happens. There's, there's thousands of them. I mean, thousands of them. And, and it'll really throw a kink in a family history. So you really want to make sure that that's the, that's the accurate uh, person. And uh, there's, there's books actually available on Ancestry.com um, that has the adjutant general's um, paperwork. They were uh, the adjutant general reports uh, will have a lot of information regarding uh, 
soldiers and who they are. And those are available at archives.gov. You, you can oftentimes look at that, uh, flip through the pages of it, um, especially in the Civil War era, but we're not talking about that now. Um, but if, you, if you're lucky enough to get a hold of a, an adjutant general's um, report, it's going to have the names of all those soldiers in it, what they did, their dates, their transfers, anything like that. It's going to have all that in there. And it'll even have a, um, a description of uh, the company that they were with and what they did. Um, so it's, it's very, um, a very a major goldmine resource to use. And um, hopefully you can get uh, sometimes their names of their parents. There was a, a book on ancestry that um, listed uh, specifically the names of the the uh, parents or the wife. Um, and then that's that helps to be able to locate because then you can go look up a marriage record if it's available in a certain state will sometimes have the names of parents on there as well. So that's, you know, that's one way to, to guide yourself in the right direction. So this is like a scanned in book on the ancestry, like library or, or. Yes, it is in their card catalog. 875 different records available on World War II. And so uh, some of them are very specific to states, uh, military records. You have it here for Montana. We'll open up that one. The one that I did was specific for Oregon, and that was a book. And then you can type in there, you know, any last name, uh, so it goes beyond just the world, the, just the draft registration card. And um, a lot of times you, you can find um, if you're dealing with somebody who did not, did not have fallen of World War II, um, say they were a veteran and then passed away later on, um, you can find um, where they, if they passed away in a military hospital, um, specifically um, Camp Funston, um, in uh, Kansas is uh, one of those military hospitals, uh, Fort Riley, Kansas. And uh, there were some people that were uh, passed away in that base hospital that no longer exists. And those hospital records are available on Ancestry. You have to find them in the card catalog. They're not, they're not transcribed. And so you have to like do some digging and you'll find it there. And, and I actually found a third great grandfather from world war one in there, but uh, that's, that's one, one way you can see about them as well. You can have a de definition of maybe, you know, what their injuries were. Um, if they were brought back, you know, and passed away in the military hospital, but you know, not all of them are available. That particular one is, but um, that's, that's one way also to look, look for people. I think that's really helpful, though, too, because like if, if you're just focusing on, you know, maybe geographical area that you're, you know, if I live in Kentucky and I would just be focusing on Jefferson County, then I could look for specific, you know, things available on Ancestry for that county or the state. And I think that'd be a, a huge thing to just know about. Um, so thanks for sharing that. That's really, that's really you're awesome. Welcome. Yes. And it gets a little easier on um, family search. Um, on Family Search, they have their own wiki page, and um, it is very well detailed for each and every area because they have the U.S. Genwood Project, 
And uh, for a short time, I was doing um, GenWed project for an Oklahoma town that my grandmother was born in. It's now a ghost town. And, uh, but they, they put together this wiki page on family search to um, tell you what year birth records started for that county. What year, and you can do county, there's city, and what's available, there's links there to follow. And uh, some, oftentimes you can find it through a Google search if you're, you know, searching for um, a particular county. Um, so that's, you know, that's very interesting to know. And, um, you know, for, for stories behind the stars, I don't get into uh, town histories um, because it's very specific uh, to the person's military history. Um, we're writing their stories and, um, you know, just kind of touching base with who they were before they joined the military and, uh, you know, who their family was, uh, what they did in the military is, is very important, you know, to the story. But for people who are, you know, either non-military or uh, veterans or you're trying to be your own family, then it's important to, to know the town history because there's boundary changes. You know, they might have been living in this one town and then you find them in a different town, but then you come to, you're thinking, well, they, they never moved, really. The boundaries around them are moving. And so that's, that's one thing to, to consider as well. And you can learn a lot about a person in, in town histories. And those, those books can be found on uh, archives.gov as well. That's really awesome. So in your research, have you found that doing military is, is like more difficult from coming from like a, a genealogical background or is it just a different learning curve? Um, it, for me, it was easy because, you know, like I said, I have a very large military history in my family. So I already kind of knew what to do. I was very familiar with the, with the veterans administration records and, you know, um, DD-214s and things like that, uh, just know where to look for, for records. Um, to If you're doing your own family, then you can order military records from um, Missouri, from St. Louis, Missouri. Right now, it's being affected by the pandemic, so it is shut down. They're only doing um, living veterans and um, their records right now, but once that opens back up, you can actually order the military records. And this actually makes things easier. Um, the military uh, was, they kept very, very good records. And um, so it, each and every soldier is going to have something unless there was a, a big record loss. Uh, 1973, I think it was, there was a record loss that some of our soldiers um, lost their records. And so that kind of affected some of the World War II soldiers as well. Um, so you might not get that, um, there, you know, some things, you know, fires do spark and things do burn, but, um, that, that's one thing that, uh, to, to look for. And hopefully that opens back up very soon. Uh, right now they're having a staffing issue, so they just don't have the staffing to be able to put their, their open back up though. Um, but there are some people, uh, there's a World War II museum. And uh, if you email them, they have a website. Uh, they are very, very helpful. Um, they will help do some research on, on somebody, um, whatever they have available in front of them. 
And uh, so they're, they're very, you know, a good resource to turn to whenever you're looking for soldiers. Is that the National World War II Museum in Saint in uh, uh, yes. New Orleans? Uh, it's in I, I think it's in New Orleans. Um, I can't remember where it's at. I know I think the World War One one is in Missouri, but yeah, it is. It's the National World War II Museum, and I have reached out to them a couple of times um, to uh, ask questions about you know a family member, and uh, they they were very helpful, you know, in in getting back. To pretty quickly and uh, saying, hey, this is, you know, a couple links you can follow. This is what we have. And I, you know, in our records on this person. And um, I actually found um, a, uh, a link to a Missouri, um, Missouri, uh, where they listed the disability. And so this one particular person ended up being uh, uh, one 13% disabled, I think it said. And uh, so you can really see on there and there's a lot of information that can be that can be dug up that way. Well, I'm curious, uh, maybe it kind of inspired me to go do that for my uncle because um, he was killed in World War II and um, my great uncle. And uh, we, I mean, my grandmother's given us a lot of information and stuff like that, but we don't have any like actual like military records or anything that would show like, this is where he went, this is what he did. And I think that'd be cool to, to, to get that information and then, and then share it with my very large family. We have over seven. Yes. So. Oh yeah. See that, that would be amazing. And, and so it's, it's, um, it, it's it's really interesting. Um, I looked it up, and it's about $30 per record. Um, another thing to consider, um, I'm fixing to go do this for both my uncle, who was a Vietnam veteran, and my grandfather, who was a World War II veteran. Um, he served in the American Theater in Panama Canal. Um, so I'm wanting to know more about him, but I'm having trouble finding his military record information on archives.gov because you can look that up. There's an index there and, um, stories behind the stars, uh, Don Milne, is that how you say his last name? <laughs> I don't know how to say Don's yeah, last no, name. That's right. Milne. But yeah, Milne. And he, he put a link and, uh, it's the AAD and you can look up by service number. If you know, it is the easiest way to look somebody up, but you can also look them up by name uh, filter it down to where they enlisted at, and you could see some of their information. And from there, you can order records as well through that. Um, so it, it loops it to the proper um, department, um, St. Louis, if, if it's St. Louis, or to NARA, if it's NARA, and uh, they'll get those records to you, and it's thirty dollars for um, an entire military record. So it's not it's not too steep of a price, um, and you can get a whole lot of information out of somebody that you never knew before. Um, you know, if you're lucky, you can get where you know they were born at, um, possibly who their parents are. Um, sometimes uh, in the Revolutionary War you you get a pension record. That's something to consider. But um, going uh, back to what I'm about to do with my grandfather and my uncle, 
is a lot of people filed their DD-214s with local county courthouses um, here in uh, Tarrant County, Texas, uh, is where my grandfather filed his. So when they're coming back home, they take those DD-214s and they could go to that courthouse. Now you have to visit the courthouse or send a letter to the courthouse, call them definitely. It's, it's going to be in the archives uh, records department of any, um, any courthouse and they will tell you, you know, what the criteria is to be able to order that. And, uh, usually you have to prove your, uh, your lineage to them. So people need to be prepared with their birth certificate, their parents' birth certificate, the death certificate of the veteran, you're going to need that. And, um, then you can, you can actually order that, you know, DD-214. Wow. So this is really good information to know, you know, if this is specifically, maybe not like a Stories by the Star researcher, but for families, because, right, right. you know, yeah. families could do and get a lot more information, which is kind of like, absolutely. Hof- hopefully, as we get these things going, um, people, families can be like, could add more to what we're, we're creating or find things and create more, you know, and, and find out more information as, as we go. So I think yes, that's information. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And as, as far as the stories behind the stars goes, I, I wish I could access those courthouses for those DD 214s cause that would make things so much faster and <laughs> a lot easier. But um, unfortunately that does not exist for us. We cannot, um, as a volunteer historian, we cannot go out there and just get anybody's military information. So it's, it's another good, that's, that's a very good and very positive because that is a protection on uh, the families, you know, and, and their, their privacy. And so it's, it's good to know that uh, the people working in these departments are taking that very seriously. And, you know, genealogists like myself can't just go out there and just get whatever we want. You know, um, it's, the Civil War, I think, is the first public um, records, but still to get a soldier's record, you still have to petition for that. And so um, I'm not exactly sure. I haven't been able to order Civil War records yet, but uh, get, get back that far. But I know for like World War II, um, you definitely have to prove your, your relationship to that person. And then you you have an entitlement at that point, um, but that person does need to be deceased, and there's rules and uh, laws regarding uh, you know who who can and cannot order those records. So that's usually your direct lines, like your grandchildren and great grandchildren, and and definitely your your own children. You know can can get those, but. Um, that's, you know, that's one thing that, uh, I'm very proud of is that they, they do protect the privacy of the families. Well, so, um, if you could tell, um, someone who's thinking about like a genealogist who's thinking about volunteering, what would you t- tell them? Like what would to help them inspire them to join the project? Well, um, I really encourage, you know, any genealogist out there, if, you know, whether you're, you're certified or uncertified, if you've been doing this for a while, if you're just doing it on your own family, if you're familiar with it, you know, definitely please come volunteer because 
um, this this is something that, you know, we would not be able to do this without our military. You know, we wouldn't have these records. Our military protects these records. They guard these records. Um, they're, they're entrusted. So, you know, definitely, you know, come in and join in on the project. You know, your talents are, are very much wanted and uh, are very much encouraged to be used here because, you know, it's, it's, it's invaluable. You know, we, we can't put a value on this um, because it's, it's, so, it's so important to know, you know, who's out there protecting me today. So, yeah, we, we definitely want those genealogical talents to come out to us. Well, thank you so much for taking some time and sharing this wealth of knowledge you have with uh, with us, because I think it'd be really helpful for those who are in the project and those who are thinking about the project. And thank you so much for all the work that you've done and helping us get these names done. Um, every name counts and really appreciate your time. Absolutely. Yes, ma'am. Um, one of the family searches uh, motto actually is um, everyone deserves to be remembered. And so whenever I read that, I took that to heart and uh, I, I love it. And uh, they definitely deserve to be remembered. And, uh, you know, they, they paid the ultimate sacrifice for us to be who we are today. So our military is definitely one to treasure. So thank you, Tatiana, for taking time with me today. Thank you so much for spending your time with us listening to these amazing stories of these fallen heroes. If this is content you want to keep hearing, please consider sharing this podcast with others. The more we grow our listening base, the more people we can reach, the more impact we can have, the more volunteers we can find, and the more stories that get told. So if you like this content and you're enjoying what you're hearing, please follow us and share and find us on any social media platform you'll and and follow us there and then most importantly check us out at storiesbehindthestars.org click the volunteer button and join the star core thank you mm-hmm.